Hi, everyone. You're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Claire Wasserman, the founder of Ladies Get Paid. She saw a real need in the market about helping women who are climbing the corporate ladder, which is the majority of America and beyond, in negotiating and really galvanizing a 30,000-plus strong group of women to just help them figure out what the heck do I do and how do I make more money. So take a listen. So I'm sitting here with Claire Wasserman, the founder of Ladies Get Paid. Yay. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. So will you tell um, our listeners a little bit about you, what Ladies Get Paid is? Sure. Yeah. So Ladies Get Paid is a national organization. We help women negotiate for pay and for power at work. And we do that through an online network where women are actually crowdsourcing career advice. Uh, They go in, they have a, a situation at work. They don't know where to go, right? Googling their problems isn't really solving it. So they find 40,000 other women from all 50 states and more than 100 countries Wow, who are basically like, yeah, me too. This stuff is hard. And the peer-to-peer sharing is really powerful, I think, just to discover that you're not alone. Um, and then we look at what they're talking about. So we create workshops, webinars. We've got an annual conference. Uh, anything we can do to help women realize that they have a lot more than just taking what they're given. Right. right? Get into the driver's seat of your career. Even if you're junior, middle manager, you know, you feel like you're at a company, they don't have paid family leave, and you're like, I'm going to go find another job. Well, hey. Have you tried to advocate for that paid family leave? Right. I started it about two and a half years ago. What was the inspiration? Oh, God, misogyny, sexism. Uh, (laughs) Long story. Okay, so I have to admit something. I never considered myself a feminist. I actually would say I was pretty anti-feminist. What? Before you answer the first question, let's unpack that. What about the word feminist did you associate with it that was like you were anti? I know. This is so embarrassing. I knew the word feminazi, which is just offensive in and of itself. And that, I think, was part of sort of the lexicon. Even if it was subconscious, I thought it meant you had to be angry. You had to hate men, not shave your armpit. Like, there's no way you could be feminine and a feminist. Right. So embarrassing because that is a complete misunderstanding. And feminazi was a term, I think, coined in the late 90s by not Bill O'Reilly, but, you know, part of the Fox News crew. And there I was taking what they told me. Right. Right. And and again, remember this was, you know, early two thousands. Now you you pass H and M and they have T shirts that say feminism. It's cool. Um, so I pretty distanced myself from that. And it's interesting because my mother was the second class of women at her college, real groundbreaking, but never talked about it. Never talked about what it was like to be one of the only women. Mm-hmm. And and so I I think took it for granted that things were equal now, that there was no more struggle. And going to college, I mean, women today are are the majority of today's college graduates. Right. So I don't think you fully realize that the power dynamics are unfair until you are in the workforce. And and usually it it sort of hits you. And that's what it did for me. I I wasn't expecting the, the kind of sexism, the misogyny I experienced because, to be honest, it wasn't really obvious. Right. And and there's a term for that. It's called microaggressions. So there were all these little experiences that over time kind of eroded my my sense of self if I was more than just, you know, the girl helping the guy. I mean, I was always the person behind the scenes writing the script for my male bosses. And, And that's fine when you're first getting started. Right. But something I noticed in every single job I had, when I started to gain confidence, 
you know, when I started to be the person on stage, I felt that they were threatened. I once had a boss that told me I was getting too big for my, quote, britches. Wow. And at the time, I just felt bad. But now in doing the work that I do, I realize there's a there's some sexism in there to unpack. Right. Um, and it took having a really obviously sexist experience for me to do anything about it. So that was going to Cannes, uh, to the advertising festival that happens every year there. Went into a party. This guy comes up to me, this older guy, smiling, lovely guy, you know, puts out his hand. He says, hi, whose wife are you? And it was like, that's awful. Mad Men. We are still in Mad Men. Yep. And, you know, this is a festival where they send the top CEOs of brands, of agencies, and unsurprisingly, that's a lot of guys, right? It's like 10,000 people there. And you feel it when you go to events. I mean, I remember going to this party and it was like the women there were all models, you know, and then me. Right. Uh, and, And we were there for a week and I just felt gross. But again, still, I still couldn't call it out. I, I still felt uncomfortable saying that something was sexist. Mm-hmm. You know, I never want to be the one to point fingers. Uh, so, I, so I reflected on my role in my experiences. And, and I had been, you know, people were drinking and I would be pitching the business that I was part of. And, and some guy would stop me and go, you're hot. And that happened for a week. And I realized when I got home how fucking exhausted I was trying to navigate conversations from a place where I was being objectified or felt uncomfortable back to business. You know, and I was working for a company where we needed clients. Right. So there's inherently a power dynamic in there where you can't tell somebody to F off. You just can't. You need their business. Right. And so when I got home from Cannes, I wrote this essay. And the essay was not so much about my experience at Cannes, but rather my processing it. I thought that was actually the most interesting part of grappling with, you know, did I play a role in this? Was my skirt too short? Right? Right. This is what women tend to do. It's got to be my fault, not right. theirs. Right. And I thought about publishing my essay. I I was worried that I might lose jobs, you know, that it might be misinterpreted as that kind of man-hating, right? And, and so instead, I shared it with some girlfriends of mine who were like, yeah, oh my God, I've experienced this too. Do you you mind if I share it with some of my friends? Mm -hmm. And they shared it and those friends wrote back with their stories. And then this this essay sort of went viral in our inboxes. And this was before Me Too, you know, became uh, mainstream, I guess. And, And it just was incredible to not be isolated in our experiences, which also meant no more shame. Right. When you see that you are not the only one, it normalizes your experience and it and it validates it, which now allows you to 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 do something about it. Right. So, you know, the next thing I did was not ladies get paid. Uh, you know, I just started to research feminism, to be honest. I, I was like, what is the definition of this thing? And and uh you know, women in the workplace. What is the wage gap? Didn't know what that was. And I started to uncover these statistics that were just so much worse than I thought. Yeah. You know, the fact that less than 22% of women are making it past middle management. No idea. No idea. The fact that the wage gap is not 78 cents to the dollar for everybody, right? If you are a woman of color, we're talking about 63 to 68 cents. Right. Right. And if you're Hispanic, Let's get really granular here. If you are a Hispanic woman, you are making closer to 55 cents to the dollar. And that actually was a statistic that made me do something. Because it was like, if other people don't know that, I mean, listen, I'm an educated person and I was so embarrassed that I didn't know it. And, you know, when you discover things like this, you have a couple of choices. You can ignore it. You can go, well, the problem's too big for me. I can't solve it. So you ignore it. You can keep reading about it and feel like crap. 
third one, you can do something about it. And uh, I didn't do something for about a year. Because again, as an individual, how can you combat something that is so systemic? Right. So it took me a year before I just said, let's get a bunch of women in a room and talk about this stuff. And so who was the immediate network of women that you reached out to? And did you know the name of it? Yeah. So I, I was fortunate to have worked for a company called Working Not Working, workingnotworking.com. Shout out to Justin and Adam. Uh, so it's a, a network of professional creatives, uh, mostly in the advertising and design space. And, and they connect based on their availability to work, right? So you're working, not working, available soon. Got a big network out of that. I also before was the director of marketing at an organization called the Art Directors Club, which is now part of the One Club. And it's sort of the nonprofit version of Working Not Working. And so through that, I had a really big network. Of women? Well, not really. I mean, I actually was one of the, the guys, gals. Like, I really didn't have many girlfriends. Right. Um, but I, so the way that I started was I reached out to five women that I knew who I knew would totally get what I was trying to do. And, and my idea was let's, let's do a town hall, not a panel. I wanted to do a town hall about money, which essentially was you get on the microphone, you share a story about what money means to you, and then we try to see if the, you know other people can help you figure stuff out, mm -hmm. which is not really a town hall, to be honest. <laughs> I just called it that. And, and so I asked five women, who do you think should be here? I want this to be really special. Who do you think, one through three people, you think should definitely be part of this conversation? You know, will you invite them or will you introduce them to me? And kind of like my essay, that's how it happened. Because every time I got introduced to somebody, I would then ask them, who do you think should absolutely be part of this conversation? Yeah. Right? Not just spread the word, but who will add something really meaningful and who will be moved by this conversation? And so within like two hours, we had 100 women signed up. Holy shit. And that's how it started with, you know, no plans to, to create you know, not even do another event. It was just like a one-time, let's just see if other people are also feeling this agita that I have been. Right. And and I picked money because of what it represents. So so really for me, less so about the dollars and more about power and worth and value. And did we recognize our own value? And then the second part, were we advocating for our value? And then the third part is, were we being recognized for our value? Yeah. Turns out, Nobody was very happy with it. You know, we all felt kind of underappreciated. So I guess the, you know, the good thing was that is that we all felt crappy, but then there was energy to do something. Right. Yeah. And so you went from 100 women to now you have over 40,000. Yeah, yeah. That is amazing. I know. I, I, I you know, it's one of those things where I want to say, oh, I'm so lucky. But you know what? Women tend to say that right? We're kind of putting it out of our own power by no, saying we're lucky. I hate it. I used to have a president that worked for my company. She's like, well, you're just so lucky. I'm like, I worked my fucking ass off. There was no luck here. I'm so you glad know? you cursed because I wasn't sure if oh, I no, could. We're, we're, okay. We curse here. We curse <laughs> and we share very intimate details. Well, good, because what I'm doing for work is fucking hard <laughs> and and we're up against the fucking patriarchy. Right. Now, uh, it is uh, I mean, it's always a balance of push and pull, right? So you work really hard, but then you step back and you see kind of like fate unfold. Mm -hmm. But then you look at it and you go, all right, where am I going to push hard again? Yep. Right? And how do I be smart about it? Mm -hmm. So it is that constant, I'm hustling, but I also have to just let it be because what I imagine this will become, let the women surprise me. Yeah. Right? Let them show me what they're really uh, concerned about, fascinated by, moved by. Um, but I'm happy to say that the, the vision I had from the beginning, uh, we've done we've done almost everything. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more to do, but I'm I'm just really really proud of 
I think that's the better word. It's not that I feel lucky. I just feel proud. So what would you tell people? Because I have my own, let's say within my own company, things I've had to negotiate for myself that I shouldn't have had to do. But, you know, I do work in a structure of a company um, that I regret not pushing harder on. Um, Then I was texting with a friend of mine who's the president of a company and she's all women, pro, whatever. And she's like, I have trouble advocating for myself and I'm trying to get a raise. And I'm like, are you are you kidding me right now? You're the president of this company. Just tell them what you want or you're leaving. And she's, you know, so how how do you tell women that seemingly should be able to just very easily ask for what they want? And there's still that like, well, I don't know if I should get more. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got to start with your feelings. And validate them. So before you jump to, oh, stop feeling bad, stop feeling bad. I mean, it's like a bouncing ball on the top of a pool. If you keep trying to push the fears down, it'll bounce back up. So I say really take some time to unpack why are all the reasons that you feel scared? Right. Do you feel like you're going to lose the opportunity? Do you feel just so grateful that, you know, by asking for more, you're going to seem greedy or pushy? And if, if the answer is yes, then my question to you is, why? Right. Why do you feel that way? And usually the response is, we're socialized to be that way. So that's also part of the validating. You're not making this up, right? Women are taught to, to be nice and, and quiet and good. Uh, here's the thing. There's the market research. Of course, that's, that's sort of the unemotional part of what's your rate. And that can be difficult to figure out. And I can talk more about how to do that. I think what's most important is seeing the value that you've brought and quantifying the impact. And if you're not in a position where you're directly bringing in money, then that can be hard. Yep. Right. So then you have to be a detective. And that is my challenge to you is ask. If you're unsure, ask your manager, what's my impact here? How does the company make money? And work backwards from that to see your place in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned somebody who's at the top. Uh, I think, you know. The strongest negotiators are the ones who are able to walk away, to your point. Right. Um, so that that's where it's always have your your eyes open to other opportunities, do your side hustle. I mean, just, just see all the ways that you can strengthen your position. Right. Because sometimes at the end of the day, that is the only way that you are going to get a raise is if you walk. Right. I guess I couldn't walk for my own company when I didn't negotiate for myself the, the maternity leave I should have taken. You well, know? Well, that's... It's a hard... People are like, but it's your company. I'm like, yeah, but there's, you know, things and I don't know. Well, the hard thing is now that we're hiring people, we're on the other side. Right. So we're like, damn, we have to pay people so much money and give them all the benefits. And, you know, and of course we should do that. And we are. Yeah. But we're a very small company. It's just been myself and one other person. Right. So then the empathy I have for the other side, I mean... And that's actually something we teach the women in our community is, yes, be a strong negotiator, but you have to do it with empathy. Totally. And that'll actually help you. Put yourself in their shoes and you'll probably be a stronger negotiator. Right. I'm excited to tell you all about the Pretty Big Deal podcast with Ashley Graham. If you aren't familiar with Ashley Graham, she is a supermodel, entrepreneur, body activist, and now the host of her very own podcast. In this season one, she interviewed such guests as Kim Kardashian, Serena Williams, and Amy Schumer. And now she's back for a new season with new episodes launching every single week, where she talks business, confidence, family, fashion, love, and so much more. She recently launched three new episodes featuring journalist Gail King, businesswoman Cindy Eckert, and model Paloma Alessasar, which you can listen to on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So tune in. At Evernorth Health Services... 
We believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So what are some of the biggest hurdles you've had to overcome in starting this from 100 women to 40,000? I'm sure we could be here all day, but like, what are some of the, like, those moments where you're like, I'm not sure if this is going to... I'm like, get my therapist in here. Okay. (laughs) So listen, I have two other companies that I started that epically failed. I don't like to call it a failure because I learned from them, but then I realized I think I was just in denial. Yes, they were failures. Uh, What I learned from them really, really helped me uh, build a solid base from which I grew Ladies Get Paid. And that was trust your decisions. And I had worked for a small company before this. So actually, I, I, you know, I am able to trust my decisions because I did see somebody else struggle with some of the things that I knew I was going to struggle with. I would say the hardest thing for me, isolating the variable that doesn't work. So for example, let's say we host a workshop and not that many people come. How do you know the reason why? Is it the price point, the subject matter? Is it the time of day, the location? We didn't market it enough. I mean, there are so many reasons why something might not work. Mm -hmm. How do you know? And that requires you to try it again and tweak a variable. But to do that, you have to have a strong stomach, right? You need to be willing to gamble money to try again. And then you also need to know when to cut your losses. That's not something that necessarily gets easier. It's still confusing at times to figure out why something doesn't work. But you do start to realize what does work, and then you go hard into that. All right, this revenue stream is rocking. Let's do more of that. Mm -hmm. So I say that's the hardest, and then, of course, the emotional roller coaster. But I find that I am more anxious working for somebody else than I am working for myself. Same thing with money. I am more anxious working for somebody else with a steady paycheck than I am working for myself with an unstable paycheck. And I think that comes from the market tells me if I did a good job or not versus a boss saying, Mm, I didn't like your work. At least with what I do, if people don't show up for a class, okay, let the market decide if they want my product. So I don't know if it's my ego or, you know, there's something easier for me about accepting how other people feel when they're customers. It just is way more objective. Yep. Uh, I've also gone on anti-anxiety medication. Wow, I sound like I'm about to cry. Actually, I'm not because I'm taking the anti-anxiety medication. Uh, that has helped me so much in just stabilizing 
nothing is the end-all be-all when a mistake happens or I don't live up to some expectation. It's not the end of the world. It's not an indictment on my worth and ability to lead this company. Um, that's not the the right answer for everybody, but I'm, I'm going to be very honest. Uh, for me in my journey, that, that's been a huge uh, help for me, yeah. I also think it's a muscle that, um, at least for me, when there's been failures in the beginning, it seems like the biggest thing you're never going to recover from or when you lose an employee, it's just like, oh my God, it's like you felt like you got broken up with, but yeah. then it gets easier and then each failure is like, okay, good. What do we do to fix it? Versus like, I used to wallow in this cesspool of shame, regret, I'm a failure, you know? And I think it just, you just get really tough skin. Too. Yeah. I think, I mean, oftentimes we're told, well, don't take things personally. I actually think that that's bad advice right? because it's sort of impossible. And also it's good to take things personally, right? Especially as women, we feel, we care. But you have to know when you need to put that aside. You need to put it in a bucket and see it as, what can I learn from this? Right. And I always say, you know, designate dwell time. Let yourself for 15 minutes wallow back to like the bouncing ball on the top of the pool. Like acknowledge your feelings, sit in it, but then say, okay, moving on. Right. So being that you are um, the leader of the of Ladies Get Paid and, you know, definitely an example for these 40,000 women, what happens when you're not listening to your own advice? Or does that never happen? I say to everybody, all the classes I teach, I'm teaching for myself. Yeah. It's because they're lessons that I have learned and I'm continuing to learn. I talk about this with imposter syndrome and perfectionism because I think those are the two things that I've struggled with the most, which is also a pretty gendered thing. I think a lot of women out there listening are probably nodding their heads. And I tell my students that you're probably always going to have it. You're probably always going to be a perfectionist and, and sometimes feel like a fraud. But what gets better is your ability to bounce back from those feelings of, of shame or whatever they are. So I might, you know, get mad at myself for for not living up to the perfectionist standard that I, I have. But whereas I would have been mad at myself for a day, it's the 15 minutes of dwell time. Right. That's what gets better. And so you have to chart your progress that way. So, you know, I'm teaching lessons for myself. And, and I think that's why I've resonated with the community. Right. And all my newsletters begin with a personal story of mine, of, of something that I've struggled with. And then it goes into, here's what you can do. Right. And a number of those things I suggest I've done. And then there are many things that I haven't. And part of that, you know, I wonder if I'm a hypocrite or what, but I'm there with you. Right. And and that kind of empathy that I have sets the the tone for the rest of the community, which is be honest, be vulnerable, right? Help other people while you're also helping yourself. Yeah. That we don't need to have experts on a pedestal. Though we should have experts and we do hire career coaches that that lead webinars. So so there's both, you know, learn from the people who are still struggling and then of course learn from the people who've studied this. Right, right. And so being that is just the two of you, mm -hmm. um, is there a personal life? Well, I'm in a relationship with my co-founder, uh, which we've never said really publicly. So good job, Rebecca, for <laughs> so I let's love get it. vulnerable. You know, the quote, one of the questions that I ask um, at the podcast is, what would we be surprised to know about you? So you might have just answered that question. Yeah, yeah. So the personal life is intertwined with the business life. It's interesting. We get asked a lot, is it hard working with your partner or do you ever, you know, have to shut off work talk? I think because the work that we do is mission oriented, right? It's not like we have a sock business or something, you know, where there can be this like total separation. We're passionate about what we do. And if we're not talking about ladies get paid, we're talking about things that 
our ladies get paid-esque. We're right. talking about the election. We're talking about women in politics, you know. Uh, uh, so, and we're so different that it's a clear division of labor also, and there's no real ego involved. Right. Um, so... So I, I find it, I mean, it's funny if you brought her in here and you asked her, she'd probably be like, it's a nightmare to work with Claire. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm enjoying this. Personal life, I think there's not so much a personal life as there is a need for turning it off. There's a need for self-care. Right. And that is the personal life is is when I can feel like I can go to the gym and not be guilty that I'm not on my phone. Um, that's been a journey. I feel pretty good. Awesome. Actually, I'm very happy to turn off my phone now. Yes. It took me 14 years to feel good about it. I put up an away message now where I'm just like, hey, I'm focusing for the next day. I'm writing a book right now, so that's given me a great excuse. Right. And by putting up that away message, it does two things. Number one, it markets my book. <laughs> you know, I'm like coming out spring 2020. Sign up know. here. Right, right. I do that. And then the other thing is, is I've gotten emails from people saying, wow, I'm going to do that too. I'm going to put up an away message saying I need to focus. So I, again, like if you start something, it gives permission to other people. And I feel the same way about ladies get paid in regards to talking about things that are vulnerable in my life. It goes, okay, it's fine if you are. It's better if you are for yourself and for other people because now they feel like it's okay. Totally. So you talk about traveling across the U.S. You travel all over the place, right? To I'm meet taking, all these women? Yeah. I mean, I'm taking a little break now because I have to focus. Right. Um, year and a half ago, I did go across the country and I went to 19, 19 cities. Wow. Hosting the town hall that I started Ladies Get Paid With. And how did you promote it? How did you know where to go? Like, great question. Take me on that journey. Yeah. So I'd been hosting events in New York for about seven months. And, you know, we have this online network. So women all over the world were participating in a sense, but, you know, I wasn't doing events in their cities. So many women were reaching out going, well, we, will you come here? How do I start a chapter? And I resisted it because I didn't feel like I had gotten out of my system enough mistakes. You know, I was like, let me just see how to really get this into a solid place where I can now teach somebody else how to run a Ladies Get Paid event. And it was very important to me that we not do sort of the typical panel, right? This this needed to be a facilitated conversation um, because that's the power of what— Between everybody. So it's not one expert or four experts— well, it starts that way. I mean, there's always women who begin the conversations right. who, who are looked at, not necessarily as the experts, but the the brave ones, who, you know, who, who begin. But then there has to be a group dynamic that's established. So it, it takes skill to be able to navigate a room of 100 women or more. And, and there's a way to do it. And the way that I do it is stand up if this story resonates with you. And then I ask somebody to share. And then I say to the room, who can validate her story by sharing yours, but also share what you did right. or ask her questions. Uh, so, so I did that in New York. And then women reached out to me and I said, listen, I'll go to your city if you can commit to a certain number of events that you do throughout the year. Uh, I put together a big toolkit. Um, what was best, what was most interesting about putting together the toolkit was seeing where I felt very strongly about the brand right, where the brand standards needed to be respected and where I was willing to just say, listen, Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know what makes the most sense for your community. How do you interpret the ladies get paid message? Right. And speaking of feminism, I was actually told by somebody in Tulsa that the word feminism is, is referred to as the other F word. Wow. So then the question becomes, well, does ladies get paid even make sense here? Right. And the thing, 
It does. Women everywhere want to be recognized and rewarded. So so I said, I'll just show up. That's what I'll do. If you are going to commit to a certain number of events in a year, I'll host the first one to show you how it's done, but also to learn from a marketing perspective how the message is being interpreted. So I went to random cities, to be honest. And I don't know if that was the best strategy, but you know, for me, it was fascinating because one night I did Detroit, Michigan, and then the next night I flew to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and to see where things were universal, but then where were things different? And, and you'll appreciate this. The, the thing that I found most fascinating was how people dressed, mm-hmm. actually. So, in, and also cities that I had never been to, like Atlanta, Super cool. You know, and also could have just been who decided to show up that night. So I I shouldn't make generalizations about cities, but listen, I'm going to make generalizations. And what people wore, that was the most different. Cultures of participation. So in Minneapolis, really nobody spoke up. So I went home feeling like it was a disaster. And then I got emails from women telling me that it had been transformative, the best event they ever went to. And I was talking to some of our ambassadors in Minneapolis, and that's how we've been able to expand. We have an ambassador program. And they said that the culture in Minneapolis is sort of a passive one. Uh, And it comes from, I guess, it's Nordic or the settlers that came to Minneapolis, passed down this kind of passive aggressive or, you know, I I was learning about the geography of the U.S. Um, So at least... You know, I had the wherewithal to know that the New York attitude is not everybody's attitude. Right. In terms of marketing the events, I didn't really have to because we always begin each event with a number of women who share. And we did the same thing that we did the first event. Wow. Who who do you think should be part of this conversation? Yeah. And never paid marketing ad. I mean, I've never bought a Facebook ad. We should start doing that. Now it's time to get strategic. Now that you have only 40,000 members, you should start getting serious, right? Yeah. (laughs) So what do you say to companies who see women as an opportunity to market to in this way and use the idea of like, we support women, but it's really to get them to buy from this company. So the inside doesn't look like the outside. Great question. So the way that ladies get paid makes money. We've got various revenue streams, but the big way that we make money right now... um, It's partnerships with brands. And these are brands that want to do three things. They want to market to women. So that's kind of the performative aspect that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, They want to help their employees, right, provide career development. And that helps their employees feel happier and stay. And, you know, it's called retention and it's expensive to lose employees. So so this is a moneymaker for them in order to keep their employees. And the third one is they're looking for talent. They can hire from us. We need to be careful about the companies that we partner with. Right. Because to your point, the inside doesn't always match the outside. At the same time, if a company has historically struggled, and I'm not going to name any names, but there's a few that we've, you know, we're thinking about working with. If they're showing us a commitment to making real change, right, and not just the ad campaign, right, but but they're they're firing people who sexually harassed women. They are pledging pay parity. They are investing in a number of career development initiatives, including you know, sending their women to our conference. We want to work with the company right. because so many are struggling. If we said, oh, well, we're only going to work with those that have pristine reputations, well, chances are they wouldn't want to work with us. They don't need us. Right. Right. So so that that can be tough. And, and also we're held to a very high standard. Yep. So we also have to be able to explain to our community why we are partnering with, the, with an organization that may have struggled in the past. Makes sense. So you already answered the maybe the what we might be surprised to know about you. Is there anything else we might be surprised to know about you besides Botox in your armpits? Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> no shame. <laughs> Highly recommend. I think usually it's 
that I didn't consider myself a feminist. Um, something that you may be surprised to find out is that I'm friends with AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I knew her in college. Ah. Uh. Yeah, and That's uh, amazing. she came to the second workshop that I organized wow. three years ago. Yeah, we we did a workshop called Get Unstuck. This was for women who were unhappy in their careers, and she was. She was working as a bartender, came to the class, hired the career coach, which is like the best testimonial that this career coach will ever have, worked with her for a year, and then came to a town hall that we did called Reinvention. And this was about women, you know, rethinking not just their careers, but sort of who they wanted to be in their life. And she was not on the panel because she hadn't done anything yet, but she was in the audience and and she stood up in front of 150 women and said, I have always wanted to run for office, but, you know, people like me don't usually run. Women who look like me don't run, but I'm going to do it. Wow. I'm going to do it. And people cheered. I cried and because the hardest part sometimes is just declaring yourself publicly. And we had this feeling, I mean, we knew she was going to do it, but no, we didn't know she was going to win. Right. Um, so I'm going to take credit. Just, <laughs> I, you should, I was part of the journey totally. and, and she really exemplifies what I'm hoping to do with ladies get paid, which is you come to solve your own problem. And then you realize this is much bigger right. and that you have a responsibility to step up, use your privilege and bring other people with you. So I love it. Thank yeah. you. I love what I do. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. Thanks for being here. And, ha- and where can women find out about ladies get paid? Yeah. Ladies get paid.com. I will forever be thrilled with myself for buying the URL. Smart. I'm not changing the name of the company, even if you don't like it, because I got the URL, I got the social handles. So find us at Ladies Get Paid on all social platforms. And then I'm going to just promote my own Instagram, because I I always forget to talk about, you know, myself. So Claire Wasserman XO. And, And like I mentioned before, I'm writing a book. And a lot of the book comes from people writing me and telling me about the things that they're struggling with. And, and my book hopefully will help solve that. So I'd love to hear from you. That was Claire Wasserman. If you want to know more about what she's building, head on over to Ladies Get Paid or follow them on Instagram. 